So in 2013, uh, a guy named Greg Pembroke started a website called ReasonsMySonIsCrying.com. It uh, started from a, uh, a picture that he took of his kid. Uh, his kid was three at the time. And uh, his kid was, the picture is this kid standing there bawling his eyes out holding a cheese stick. And the caption read, you know, he broke his cheese stick. And, I mean, it's as if the worst act of humanity had happened. So uh, Greg started noticing that a lot of these funny pictures were starting to crop up on his phone. And so he started a blog about it. And uh, it began to gain popularity uh, to the point where other parents started sending in their pictures of, of their toddlers crying for absurd reasons that only toddlers really could cry about. And it runs the complete gamut of things from, you know, like you'd see a picture of a kid holding a banana, bawling his eyes out, and the caption would read, uh, you know, I gave him the banana that he asked for. Or, <laughs> or you know, to very serious situations where, you'd, you know, maybe you'd see a kind of a fork in the background and then a kid standing by an electrical socket, you know, bawling their eyes out. And there's still comedy within the caption saying, I wouldn't let him electrocute himself today. <laughs> it actually gains so much popularity now that um, it's, it's a pretty popular blog, and uh, he just wrote a book. There, there was a book that was just released on, on it. So if you ever need a good laugh and uh, you're surfing the web, check that out. It's, it's good. In case you were wondering, yes, that is my son on the front of your bulletin cover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We can't even remember what it is that he's losing his mind over. It was, uh, the only thing we can remember is that it was on Easter, uh, and who knows? I don't even, <laughs> I don't even. He's, uh, it probably was something with the drums, I'm sure. He, he's like obsessed with playing the drums. As soon as we pulled into the church, every, every time we pull in, he starts going, boom, 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 boom. And like we're always afraid he's just going to start like streaking down here to do a drum solo in the middle of Pastor Dave's sermon at the 9 o'clock service. So, uh because he's quick. <laughs> but he's starting to reach that age, Micah. Uh, he turns, uh, it's 19 months today. And he, so he's starting to reach that age where he's really starting to figure out that he has his own will, and he, there's certain things that he wants to do and ways that he wants to go about doing that. But there's a problem. We don't want him doing a lot of those things. There's a uh, there's rules and, and, and regulations that we have in our household because we have a, a certain vision and a goal of, of raising a well-rounded, responsible child, uh, ultimately to, to grow into a, you know, a young Christian man. So, you know, even though he's still pretty little, uh, he's got chores and stuff that he does, and, and we have certain, you know, rules that he has to follow. Like, when we first started noticing that he really started mimicking us, like a couple months ago, he was really just doing everything that we were doing. Uh, he came into the kitchen one time, and I was sweeping. And he said, sweep, sweep. And I said, oh, you want to help sweep? Uh-huh. Like, okay. So I gave him the broom, and he's pushing the dirt around. So now when, every time he makes a horrible mess at lunchtime, he grabs his little broom, and he sweeps it in a little dustpan. And I open the thing for him, and he waddles on over there and puts it in the bin. And it's, it's great. Uh, a few months ago, he, he came in the kitchen, and I was loading the dishwasher, and he went, help, help. And I said, oh, do you want to help load the dishwasher? Uh-huh. Like, okay. So I, you know, thinking great, responsibility, got to clean up after yourself. So start handing him dishes, and, you know, I got to fix it. He's jamming them in there and putting things away. But from that rule, from that, from that activity, spawned a rule. And that rule is, babies can't hold knives. <laughs> For obvious reasons, uh, dexterity is not a strong suit for him. 
So you better believe that every time I bypass him and put a knife directly into the dishwasher as opposed to having him do it, he loses his mind. Help, help, help. Like, I get it, but you're going to hurt you. You can't, that's the rule, dude. Babies don't, can't hold knives. That's just a rule. Or we would like to raise a a healthy and, and clean child. We don't want our child being the stinky kid at church. So because of that, we have bath time. He hates bath time. It is like we're waterboarding him or something. <laughs> or, uh, you know, we, we want him to be healthy. We have a, a strict cheese stick limit in our household. If it were up to him, his diet would completely consist of Cheerios and cheese sticks. It, it blows my mind the, the amount of times this phrase is, is, is uttered in our home. How many cheese sticks has he had today? Like, he just stands in the kitchen, cheese, and points at the fridge. Vegetables are a good thing, dude. <laughs> so that's the rule. You can only have so many. Six cheese sticks is too many for anybody, let alone a, a 19-month. <laughs> so that's the rule. And he's going to have to get used to it, too. Because the older that he gets, the more rules and laws and, and regulations are going to start becoming a factor in his life. I mean, if you think about the amount of rules and laws that go on around us and, and really just define what it is that we do every day, every moment of our life. It's, if you just take a minute to think that, you know, we have rules to keep order, rules to keep peace, uh, you know, rules to, to protect. There's social rules and, and, and social laws and civil laws, and there's rules at work and, and home and school and, and, you know, state and government laws, and it, the list goes on and on. I mean, on our way in today, we were only permitted to drive a certain speed depending on where the road what that was, if it was through a residential area, or if the terrain was li- uh, you know, a little tricky. Uh, w- once we arrived at church, there were circumstantial rules that decided where it was that we could and could not park. If, if, if you, you know, happened to be uh, a visitor, or if you had children that were, you know, if you guys were a small family, or, or if, if you were handicapped, there were certain you know, spots that are reserved for that. And there are consequences. Should we break one of those rules? Ranging from, you know, social awkwardness, if you break some weird social rule, all the way to, you know, being ticketed, fined, towed, jailed, depending on the severity of the rule that's broken. Our lives are, sur- are surrounded and defined by law and by rule. I think, you know, as we start talking about law, be a bit remiss not to bring up God's law. What we talked about in, in, in Exodus today in the, uh, in the Old Testament and really probably the most important law. Now, when it comes to God's law, uh, we really could spend an entire sermon series really diving in and, and hitting that deep. And I kind of joked with Diana as she was uh, getting ready to, to read this week that she was going to have to read like half of Leviticus, most of Deuteronomy, and, and like a bunch of Exodus and stuff like that. But today, we're, we're really focusing in on, on probably what's the best known of God's laws as we continue our sermon series on, on, on seeking out that desperate grace and finding where it is that how that grace falls in God's law. So we look to the Ten Commandments. It's probably, you know, the most widely known and recognized of God's law. I'm I'm sure if we were to walk down the street and and really ask anybody, they would at least have a fair, you know, believer or not, they would have a a fair understanding of of what the Ten Commandments are, the basic principles behind it, who said them. Uh, They might even be able to rattle off a couple of them here and there. Uh, It's, 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 basic, basic, you know, well-known stuff. But with that, it's also extremely powerful. 
God's law is so powerful. And with that power, you know, our human reaction is to rebel against that. There's always, you know, we, we, for whatever reason, we get this power struggle going where we go, I know better. I can do better than that. And so it becomes highly controversial. You know, when we think of, of the Ten Commandments, we see it being, you know, chiseled off of courtroom walls, being taken out of public places. It's, it's this, this huge hot-button issue of, of people just not wanting to even deal with it and see it anymore. And the problem with that is, 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 is there, there's a complete misunderstanding about what that law is even s- supposed to be about and what the very nature of God's law is. Massive misunderstanding. If we look back at, at, at when the law was first handed down, we see Moses going up to the mountain to, to speak with God. And, you know, the Israelites have already been delivered out of Egypt, and Moses is up there, and he's not even gone really that long. The people start getting a little restless. You know, they're looking to Aaron. They're like, hey, dude, this guy is uh, Moses. Let us out. We really appreciate it, but we're not too sure about this guy. We're not really too sure about th- this, this God either because, you know, he's kind of old. He's been up there a while. What happens if he doesn't come back? And we've never seen this God anyway, and, which is ironic because they've seen the, I mean, even the plagues, the sea parting, the, you know, the, the miracles that happened, even delivering them out of slavery. But they're complaining about it. And they, they want a God that they can see, that they can mold to their own image, to their own desires. And, uh, and so they, they approach Aaron with this. They say, you need to make us a God. We want one that we can physically see, that we can interact with like that. So they melt down all the jewelry and intentionally make this God. They wanted this God that they could mold into their own image as, as they desired. And so Moses comes down from the mountain, and obviously this does not go over well. Moses sees what's going on and blows a gasket. He is furious. He looks at, at, at what are supposed to be God's people. In Exodus 32, it would say that they were running wild. They were going crazy. It was complete anarchy. This wasn't working at all. And he's beside himself. And rightfully so, too. And I think, you know, the reason Moses was so upset wasn't because they simply just broke a couple laws. It wasn't like breaking some rules or anything like that. These laws are intended to reveal the very nature of who God is to show us his character, to show us his grace, law and grace. When we see these ten statements, we see the personality of God. We see that he's a jealous God, that he requires and really he deserves our first and our best, that there should be nothing else before him. It needs to be God and then the rest. We need to give him our best and not just, you know, whatever we have left over. There can't be anything before him. We also see that there's power in his name. And that name is to be used with the utmost respect. That we need to respect that power. And it's more than just simply saying nice things or or, or saying the right thing or not taking the name in vain. But it's about representing who God is. I think that's, if we look a little further in the Exodus reading, we see that the the Israelites, their, their enemies were laughing at them. They were laughing at them because these were supposed to be God's people. They were supposed to be set apart and they were supposed to be different. And then here they are doing exactly what the world does. They're not different at all. God says we need to respect that. That he wants to be represented correctly. So not to take that name in vain. We also see his love for his creation and for people. 
We see his desire to see us prosper, to see us grow, to see us thrive. And, and, and we see that, and then we take that love that he gives to us, and then we extend that to the others around us. And it's this beautiful, you know, cyclical cycle that he's got set up where God gives us love, we give love, love to others, and then we give that love back to God. It's an awesome concept and an awesome way that God designed it. But instead, the law gets misinterpreted. It's not always perceived that way as, as, as this, this graceful thing. Instead, it, it, it's viewed as kind of this list of restrictions, things that we're not allowed to do. And we focus on three words that completely change the meaning of what the law is. We focus on thou shalt not. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't have fun. And that turns the law into something that, that is like discriminatory. It turns it into something that's like punishment. It changes it from grace, from this original intention. I, it's like, you know, we look at it like this way. I had a buddy in high school who, uh, we turned 16, like right at the end of our sophomore year. And, uh, you know, we had the summer and we came back in the fall. And by the time we got back together, he'd already had like two speeding tickets, at least. And I'm like, dude, Seriously? We haven't even been driving that long. You've got two speeding tickets already. <laughs> and his response was, you know what? Those numbers they put on the side of the road, just a suggestion. <laughs> just a suggestion. Because I like to drive fast, and I know what I'm doing, and, and I can handle this. And I'm like, clearly you can't. <laughs> but that's how we look at the law. We're like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. The reality of the law is that there's so much grace in it. And it's so easy to forget. I mean, God is the author of everything. God is the creator. He created me, he created you, he created everything. And I would like to assume that the creator knows a little something about his creation. That he knows what's good for it. What's going to make it thrive, what's going to make it succeed. And what's going to destroy it and tear it down and be bad for it. And God wants us to thrive. He wants us to be his witnesses, his living witnesses to who he is. He doesn't want to set us up for failure. God is not, you know, God is not a traffic cop hiding behind a, a billboard in a speed trap, as, as we often kind of perceive him as. No, God, it's more of like God is a loving parent, just trying to keep his kids safe, just wanting them to do good. So he sets up rules and he sets up boundaries for the children's own good. Like when Abby and I put a baby gate up for Micah, we don't do it to be jerks. We don't do it to like lord our power over him. We do it because we want to keep him safe. And the kids quit too. I mean like, and you can lose him like that and not like a neglectful parent kind of way, but like in a, he, you know, throws his pacifier like as a distraction. You go to get it, you turn around and, you know, he's gone. You're like, oh, (laughs) I lost him. We put that stuff up for his own good because he doesn't know any better. Because where he sees fun and where he sees curiosity and wonder and things that he wants to, 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 to experience, we see the danger. You know, he looks in our kitchen and he sees that blue flame flicking off the stovetop. And he might think, ooh, that's pretty. I want to reach out and touch that. And we're like, no, that's going to burn you. You didn't know that, but that's going to burn you. You can't do that. Or, you know, he might somehow get, like, under our sink and find those little uh, dishwasher packets. 
and think, oh, these are pretty. That's candy. I want to eat that. That looks delicious. And I say, no, that's poison. That's really, really bad for you. You can't have that. Or he might just be trying to help. You know, (laughs) he's just trying to help me load the dishes and, and I don't let him touch a knife and he freaks out. I say, dude, I don't want you to cut yourself. I don't want you to hurt yourself. So I'm going to handle this. God's law is no different. That's the original intention of God's law. It's a huge sign of his grace. Because where we as humans see fun and excitement and wonder and, and, and freedom, God sees the real cost to all of that. God sees what it's actually going to cost. And because we weren't able to stay within those boundaries, because we climbed the baby gate anyway, we went up and, and said, I can handle this, I can do it. God ups the ante on grace a whole nother level. And he sends his son. And when Jesus comes, we all say, hey, Jesus is here. He's going to do away, if, if we look at the, the gospel reading for the day, Jesus is going to do away with this laws and, and all this nonsense. And Jesus says, why would I do that? I'm not here to get rid of these laws. I'm here to fulfill them. Consequences have to be, you know, there, there's consequences to stuff. The law has been broken. But I'm here to pay that price. I don't want any of you guys to pay that price. So I'm here to do it. It's the ultimate sign of grace. So today, you know, as we look at, at the law and what this grace means, we, I think the first thing is to, to, ex, to allow Jesus to do that. To allow Jesus to be the fulfillment of that law. It's, I don't know about you, but I beat myself up all the time. It's real easy to be like, you know what? I deserve whatever I'm going to get. I have been horrible. I have, you know, I've broken these laws. I've done whatever. I've gone against God, and I just, I am worthless, and I deserve it. And Jesus comes and says, no, you're not. No, you don't. I've already paid that price. Take it. So that's the first thing, is allow him to take our place and allow him to fulfill that law. But it's more than just living out, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to let Jesus take my place, and then I'm going to follow the rules. It's, it's, it's more than just following a list of rules. It's, it's about living as the living witness to who God is, to be set apart, to allow him to, to, to have us to thrive as he intended us to do and to point this world to his grace. Amen.